0: Welcome to Wake the Bride, your source for Christian apologetics, prophecy, theology, and current events from a Christian perspective and with a biblical worldview. Here's your host, Luke Beats. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Wake the Bride podcast. Um, What do you do? whenever you're accused of being hateful or of not witnessing the way Jesus would, not when you're being hateful, but simply whenever you mention sin and call people to repentance. Is it is it instantly wrong? Is a person instantly wrong in the way that they share the gospel if it makes... Um, some people upset Uh, if we make people upset should should we instantly say oh we've done this wrong those are some of the questions we're going to look at as well as we're going to talk about um, our experiences at um, University of South Alabama like to tell you all kind of about what happened there We'll, as we've been doing we will use that as a backdrop to answer some of these questions. Before we get too far into that, I would like to say welcome to Wake the Bride podcast. Um, My name is Luke Beats, and in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 12, the Apostle Paul states, and that knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. It's my goal to help stir a sleeping church and motivate weary believers by looking at current events, Bible prophecy, and apologetics. Now hopefully, uh, by the time we get done with each episode, uh, we can better see as Jesus did in John chapter 4, verse 35, where he said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Um, Again, thank you uh, for tuning in. Thanks for uh, tuning in. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you should say clicking in. I don't know what we'd say. Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, Now, what about that question that I asked um, when it comes to our witnessing? Uh, Let me give some background on this. We were at the University of South Alabama in Mobile, Alabama, and um, I went out to preach it was my uh, first day there. And at the University of South Alabama, um, you didn't have to, like, get a permit. You didn't have to uh, call ahead. Basically, if if it wasn't reserved, like if no one was already there using it, uh, the free speech zone right outside of the student union or student center, then you could go. And um, so I went, there the fir- Actually, I went there the first day, and someone was using it. And so I didn't get to um, be there. Uh, the next day, well that day I called that afternoon and they said it would be in use um, for the next couple of days uh, until like two o'clock. And so I just started getting there right at two o'clock and so I could do, um, and so I could preach on campus. So I got there and I had got my uh, stuff all set up, got my sign together, took my Bible and stood to preach while I was preaching. Uh, a few people started to come around. Really, just one person at first. Uh, they came and sat down. Uh, there's some trees, some shaded area outside of the student union um, building, and there are some like brick walls. I guess you would say very small. You know, just like garden walls. Uh, very, you know, maybe two feet uh, tall at the most, foot and a half, two feet. And uh, this one girl, she came and sat down and listened for quite a while. A few other people looked as I was talking, but as far as actually trying to hear what was going on, they just you know kind of watched and looked and saw me, and that was about it. She, on the other hand, she sat down. She was listening, which is not uncommon. We generally get people that sit and listen to us for quite a while. But I really wasn't sure what was going on you know what her mindset was uh, I just knew she was listening so I preached the gospel and when I say I preach the gospel uh, I preach repentance that if a man or woman will confess admit to God the sin that they have done the wrong I generally will say their sin or the wrong that we have done um, if we confess that to God alone put faith in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself in the flesh. If we, if a person will confess their sin, put faith in his death, burial, and resurrection on their behalf, then all of their past sins are forgiven. Now, we are required... We are... We are to repent of our sins. That's not a work like we're getting saved by works. No, that is us believing the gospel. Jesus said in the book of Luke 24, I believe there's 47, that repentance and the remission of sins should be preached. Um, in the book of Acts, the Bible says that God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So there is that aspect of the gospel that says we've got to repent, turn from our sins, admit the wrong we've done, um, and turn away from it. Anyway, I was preaching, uh, preaching the gospel. Did I mention sin? Yes, I mean, we. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, "Cry aloud, spare not; lift up thy voice like a trumpet." Show my people their iniquity, in the house of Jacob their sin, I and mean, we're commanded to preach against sin. Um, anyway, I'm getting on a lot of rabbit trails right there. As I begin to pre, as I was preaching, she sat there for probably about thirty minutes. Uh, after. A little while I'd stopped for a second to get a breath <laughs> and to get a drink. And she um, she raised her hand and she said, Hang on, I got a few questions. Or she said, I got a whole lot of questions for you. And I said, Oh good, good deal. I said, I love questions and I really do. That's probably my favorite part of what we do is having the opportunity to talk to the young people to um, answer their questions, to deal with them one on one, in a way, um, to hear what their questions are, and then to respond and to share the gospel and to give a defense of the faith. I love doing that, man. I love it. Um, anyway, get a drink real quick. Um, we begin to talk, and she asked me why. Why do you do it like this? You know, uh, she um, began to discuss some of the sins that she she would fall under on the uh, sign, which the sign goes through, I don't know, about any sin that you're going to find in the Bible. I tried to put it on the sign. And at the bottom of it, it starts out with like drunkards, I believe, or drunk, drunkenness. Anyway, uh, the top of the sign says, who must repent? And then it goes through everything you can imagine, some of it tamed down because, I mean, we're in front of people. And, and anyway, anyway, um, it ends though with saying everyone, and it quotes a portion of uh, Romans chapter three, verse twenty-three, where it says, "For all have sinned." Uh, on the back, it has only scripture verses, and one of it is that Romans three twenty-three: "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." Now, I will pause for just a second and say, uh, two times I have had people. Once, I think the guy well, he was being a little facetious. Uh, the second, the first time someone said this, I think they were being serious. I it took me aback, and I really didn't. It took me a little bit to catch what they were saying because I could not imagine what they were saying. Uh, they came to me, and they said, you're misquoting the Bible. And I said, what? Where am I misquoting the Bible? Right there, right at the bottom. That ain't all Romans 3.23. I was like, yeah, that's what it says. So I opened my Bible up, and I read it to them, they're like, you're still misquoting the Bible. I said, how? Um, And apparently they took that I was trying to say that the entirety of the front of the sign was Romans 3.23. And, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Sometime I have to post a picture of the sign because I don't see how you would get that. But anyway, that's okay. Um, (laughs) It was pretty funny. But anyway, I just need to hear it there. Anyway, we started talking. And she uh, informed me uh, of some of the sins that she did. And she began to say, you know, why is that wrong? And so I told her, you know, the reason these things are sinful, I believe, uh, anyway, why these things are sinful would be specifically because God said so. Um, (laughs) Some people don't really like that answer. They want you to give them, I guess, a philosophical or hugely drawn out as to why it's hurting people. Because a lot of people will say especially with like homosexuality um, or oh, that's generally the one that they will say it with. Um, they will make the comment, well, they're not hurting anybody, so what does it matter? Uh, first off, they are hurting somebody because they're hurting each other. That is a very unhealthy, excuse me, excuse me. A very unhealthy lifestyle. They are hurting any uh, kid that they would adopt. And it has horrible effects on children that are raised in that type of home. Um, I'm not saying anyway. that it's horrible effects. Mark Regner did a study on that back in the earlier 2000s. And it is very telling. Anyway, um, but that's not why it's wrong. It is, it, it's not sinful because of those things. Now, behind the fact that it is sinful because God said so, I would assume that the reason God said so is because he does know that it destroys human, that it destroys human, human life. It is awful for the participants in that lifestyle. It is horrible for kids. Uh, but really a huge reason is because it distorts and perverts the relationship that God gave for a man and a woman, for a husband and a wife, which is that husband and wife relationship, that marriage relationship is to be a picture of Christ and the church, which distorts even that anyway. um, I didn't get into all that with her. (laughs) I did get into the um, fact that it hurts um, the person. It hurts um, the children but when she asked the question why are these things wrong and I responded God said so well what do you mean by that well the Bible says and I begin to go through scripture now something you will hear if you at all ever deal with that topic is you're going to hear very quickly oh that was mistranslated that word should be translated a man and a boy well there are a couple of problems with that first off Number one, it's wrong and easily proven to be wrong um, by the fact that it doesn't just mention man and boy in Romans chapter one or in Leviticus um, or in a couple of other places where this is mentioned, but especially in Romans one mentions both men and men and women and women. So that falls apart instantly because then no one says, well, that means a woman and a young girl. No, no one says that the argument is always man and boy. So that's the only one that's okay as a man and a man but a woman was never fine and that's not then it's ludicrous but anyway secondly you can easily prove that wrong just by going to the Greek you can look at the Greek manuscripts uh, you can get a good um, Strong's concordance you can look up what to get a good Bible software if you've got an Android phone East not e sword my sword is a really good uh, resource blue letter Bible is great Great. If you're using more like a PC, so like a Windows um, based uh, phone or tablet or PC, then you can get my, um, not my sword, -Sword. (laughs) eSword. Really good resource. And Blue Letter Bible is also there. There's so many. Goodness gracious, there are so many. And that's what I would do. I recommend to those students be like, hey, you know, you got a smartphone. Why don't you download this real quick? Check me on it. And quickly it becomes obvious the word in no way means a man and a boy. It is a um, mature male with a mature male. Um, anyway, so I go through Scripture. This is why I'm saying this is wrong, because God said so. The Scripture says so. Um, we really had a good conversation. She, uh, she didn't agree with me, but she was uh, very collected, very calm and when I say very calm, I don't mean she just was like, oh, okay, that's fine. No, <laughs> no, she was animated in that, you know, she disagreed, but she wasn't rude. She didn't curse. She didn't um flip me off. She didn't do any of that stuff. She, uh, um, She, you know, disagreed, but she listened to what I had to say, and we talked for a while. Anyway, it was not very long until some other people heard, and more and more people started coming. It grew from one to about five, and then from five it grew exponentially to probably about 50 to 100 people very quickly. And the crowd became very belligerent. Um, Now, I continued. I mean, I continued to preach the gospel. I would answer their questions. We had some that were very belligerent and that were cursing and were screaming and they were hollering. They were flipping me off. They were, goodness gracious, all sorts of things. Some of it I can't even mention. Um, it, is, it is strange to me, and I told them this, because some of them were like, you're a hater. And all I was preaching was literally, if you repent of your sin, Jesus Christ will forgive you of your sin Especially at this point, because I would only preach in short bursts between questions. I would preach repentance, confession of your sin to God alone, faith in Jesus Christ. Now, generally when that crowd gets big, you start getting question after question after question after question after question. question. And a lot of times the questions will center around two topics. They will center around, why do you say that Jesus is the only way? And then they will center around... Um, the uh morality issue of homosexuality, lesbianism, transgender, um, fornication those three things, uh, four things <laughs> this is where the questions are going to center, uh, or on those two general topics. But uh, why Jesus is the only way, and then the sexual um, question, um. Another one that will quickly also, and it's probably a close third, and it's one of my favorite questions that I get, why are you so convinced by that book? I love that question. Woo, I love that question about why am I convinced about the Bible? Why is Jesus Christ the only Why do I say Jesus is the only way? Those two really kind of go hand in hand. Anyway, um, as it progressed, they uh, will first... Before it got too out of hand, um, when really it was just that one person was still there, and really before she came and started talking to me, uh, the police came out, campus police. They came and they said, "Sir, we're gonna have to ask you to leave." And I really I wanted to post this video and some video from this, but apparently some something happened to my uh, action camera that I use and my backup, my um, back, uh, my storage, and uh, anyway. I probably won't. I don't have all of my video anymore. So I have some of it. But I don't think I have it from University of South Alabama. I don't think. I'd have to go back and look. I just try and store it a couple of ways. But anyway, um, they came out. They were very respectful. And I, in turn, was respectful. The police have a hard job. And I really, uh, and cabin campus security has a hard job. And I don't want to make it harder for them. And I don't want to be a knucklehead and give them a rough time. <laughs> that that ain't going to help anybody. Uh Anyway, they came out, and the officer said, "Well, we're gonna have to ask you to leave." And I asked him, "I said, well, why? Why do I have to leave?" And he said, "I said, you know, I want to be respectful." I said, "But I I don't understand. Why am I being asked to leave?" He said, "Well, we've had some complaints about what you're saying, and uh, the college doesn't like people out here doing what you're doing." And so, um, I quickly, you know, I said, "You know, I said, I don't mind." I said, "That's fine." I said, "I can leave." I said, "But I would like to kind of..." point out, I said, I had permission from the college, I called, and, um, this place is not reserved, I said, constitutionally, I have the right, since this is a public university, it's open to outside speakers, I said, I have the right to be here, um, not only that, I pulled, and got my phone out, I said, now, the co- ca- college campus policy, I had, I took a screenshot of it, which is a really good idea, that the more information you have, the better equipped you are, um, I said, right here it says as long as this space is not being used, it's not reserved, that I have the right to be here between certain hours. You know, it was like 8 o'clock at night when you had to leave, if I'm remembering correctly, maybe 7. Uh, I said, now, excuse me. One of my contacts is kind of drying up and wanting to mess up. Man, it makes you feel like you're really tired. I'm sorry, I don't know why. It just kind of dries. It's weird. i got to change that contact out. TMI, I know. Um, anyway, uh, I told him, <clears throat> I told the officer, I said, you know, this is what the policy states, and this is what the Constitution says. I said, why? So can you explain to me why I have to leave? And another officer, because about three came up, and another officer said, well, we're not trying to run you off. You know, you, you, you can be here. We're not trying to run you off, but... And then, as he said, but um, the third officer spoke up. He said, I'm the sergeant. He said, I'm in charge of, you know, I'm the one over these other officers. He said, I'm in charge here. Uh, he said, you know, the, you, um, you have the right to be here. I told him, you know, I am recording everything, everything. I said, you know, we, I don't mind. I haven't, you know, I haven't insulted anyone. I haven't called anyone any names. I haven't singled anybody out. I haven't tried to chase anybody down and force them to take a Bible. I said, you know, I've got my camera if you want to, this was early on, about 40 minutes into it. I said, if you want, I said, we can watch the video and you know, we can easily see what all's happened. And the guy, the officer said, no, he said, we're recording you over here. He said, we're recording you. He said, there's a security camera here. We can see what's going on. He said, you haven't broken any of the rules. He said, His exact statement was, as long as um, everybody's paying their taxes and not breaking the law and they're where they're supposed to be, he said, it's fine. He said, I, nah, that's all that matters to me. He said, you're where you're supposed to be. He said, you do have a right to be here. You haven't um, been assaulting anyone. He said, you know, we can, we can all see what's going on. So you're fine. You can stay. So anyway, so then we get back to where I was. The crowd, after that, about 30 minutes later, they show up. The crowd shows up. So very quickly, it, um, as I said, it, got to where people were hollering and uh, talking over each other and trying to you know try to ask me a question three or four at the same time and i was doing my best to answer as quick as i could but also very quickly there was an element a large element of the crowd that began to chant certain things that i really am not going to repeat um, they were very sexual in nature and they were very immoral in nature and a about two men, maybe three, came over to where I were, was. Came right up to where I was, and they, you know, kind of the one that mainly did most of the speaking uh, to me. He looked over at me and, like, you know, was uh, signaling for me to listen to him. So we started talking, and he told me, you know, he worked with the young people on that campus. He was a campus pastor, uh, and he, a couple of the men, were with him. And they were saying you're going about this entirely wrong. He said, no, "You you hear what they're saying?" He said, "You need to stop because you're going about this entirely wrong. God doesn't want people to get mad. If you're making people angry with how you're witnessing, then you're wrong." Now, quickly, I asked, "Now, hang on, I said, now, how am I being wrong?" I said, "Jesus preached on the streets." The apostles all preached on the streets. I said, you go throughout Christian history, and the Wesleys preached on the street, Whitfield preached on the street. All through history, people have preached on the streets. It's a historic Christian activity. Um, Still goes on today, not just me. And their response was, well, that's true. And it's not that what you're doing is wrong, like being on the street preaching is wrong, but look at the response you're getting. Your response makes what you're doing wrong. Um, now, real quick, I disagree with that. Now, it is not my goal to make anyone mad, but the things I ask them, if it is wrong simply because it makes people mad, for you to mention sin, then you quickly have to answer the question, so therefore should no one preach on sin? I mean, everywhere in the scripture we're commanded to preach against sin, to preach against that which is wrong. I mean, the Holy Ghost, the Bible, speaks of the Holy Holy Spirit. In John, Jesus said whenever he has come about the Spirit of truth, that he is going to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. So should the Holy Ghost stop what he's doing um, I'm, I'm also asked them, ask them that I asked them, I said, now, didn't Jesus name sin? Didn't Jesus, um, call out sin? Um, I said, now Jesus made the people so mad that after three and a half years, I mean, they killed him, they crucified him. Paul, when he would go into a city and begin to preach, you read the book of Acts and, the people most of the time would riot. <laughs> some would get saved and some would riot. Um, was he wrong? One of the examples I asked him specifically, I said, now, what about Stephen? Whenever he began to preach to the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, I said, and the Bible says that they got so mad at him because he called them murderers. I said, they were, they've been a lot more, Paul and Peter, and Paul, yeah, Paul, Peter, Jesus, Stephen, I said those biblical preachers. I said they were a lot. They were, they, they were a lot more blunt than I'm being. I said I'm not even being blunt. Um, I, said, <laughs> I said, but should Stephen, have, when he saw how angry they were getting, should he have stopped and said, "Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have called you a murderer. Everything is great. You're good." I said, should he have changed his message so that they did not stone him? Now, for the record, I wasn't asking them to stone me. I didn't want, <laughs> I don't want that. One young man, I was talking to a couple of guys, and they had some really good questions, and they were very polite. We had a great interchange, um, exchange for a while. But at one point, one of them said, man, he's looking at the crowd behind him, and he said, uh, has anyone ever, like, attacked you or hit you yet? And I said, no. I said, no, I, that, that had not happened. I said, I don't want that to happen. I said, and I really hope you don't take me saying no as like a challenge for you to do it. And he grinned real big and he laughed. He, he, they had a good, you know, they were, they were asking honest questions. And when someone is asking honest questions, um, then they're not, I mean, generally they do not get angry. But if someone is already belligerent and they're just mad or they're trying to stir people up, then it doesn't matter if they're asking you to quote Mary Had a Little Lamb. They're going to get mad if you quote it. Pretty much literally. Um, I haven't had anyone ask me to do that yet. But I have answered and said, like, well, Jesus will forgive you, and man, they'll get irate. And you're like, Well, I don't really understand. Anyway, I don't understand why that makes you irate. Um, anyway, we were on that college campus for three days. Um, but how and that question came up multiple times, you're doing this wrong because you're doing this wrong because but that's not true. Um if we look at it from a very pragmatic standpoint, then I believe it was B.H. Clendenin who made the statement that, no, it wasn't B.H. Clendenin, I'm sorry. It was Paris Reedhead in his message, which is an awesome message. 10 shekels in a shirt. If you've never heard that, Google that. 10 shekels in a shirt and listen to it. Oh my word. It's awesome. Wow, it's awesome. It's an old recording, but it is stinking awesome um he talked about the fact that if we look at it from a the spreading of the gospel or preaching from a pragmatic view then you would have to say that noah was an abysmal failure even though god talks about noah doing right and praises him not praises him you know what i mean he puts him in the hall of uh, fame of faith in um, hebrews in the book of hebrews um, he talks about jeremiah he would have been an abysmal failure uh, he talks about um, even Jesus, as he preached for three and a half years, was followed by thousands, was, um, showed himself to over 500 after he arose. And then by the time they got to the upper room and the Holy Ghost fell, only 120 were there. And I'm showing that, talking about the fact, if you just go by pragmatism, but the fact is, and the thing that I love so much about that is on that message is he gets to the factory? He's saying we are not out here. We are not preaching. He wasn't preaching on the street. He was preaching at the church, but he was saying we don't preach for the betterment of man. We preach for the glory of God. And oh, goodness gracious! You should listen to that. It is amazing. Anyway, um, again, it's ten shekels in a shirt by Paris Reedhead. It is phenomenal. Um, when I begin to deal with that and that aspect with these men. That, you know, really the response of the people is exact same way it was, it was what the Bible says they would do. The Bible says that uh, the sinful man, that he's the enemy of God, not because God is making him his enemy, but because he chooses sin, he sets himself against God. Um, and the Bible speaks of the fact that they hate God, uh, that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. We begin to go through Scripture, and they said, well, you see their response it's not right, be it based on how they respond, and it is never my goal to make someone mad. Never, um, and I don't think it should be any of our goals to make someone angry. And I told them, I said that's not my goal. I said, but if they get mad at how I act, I said then I have, you know, then then I'm doing wrong. I said, but if they're getting mad simply because of what the Bible says, then that's that, that's not on me. I said, that's what the Bible says they would do. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. Why is it that we as Christians, if we're not careful, let me get on my soapbox for a second, why is it if we're not careful, we will tame the message, we will foul down the rough edges, and we will try, as Brian Fisher used to say on AFR, that we try and be nicer than Jesus. Um, We are called to preach against sin, and we are called to preach repentance I was on one college campus just the other day, and I'm not gonna deal with that one yet, but I'm gonna give It to this girl to ask me after was all done, she said, are you a Baptist? And I said, no ma'am. I said, I'm Pentecostal, and Trinitarian Pentecostal. <clears throat> and she had made mention of the fact that because I was preaching against sin, and that certain things were sinful and wrong, and that people should repent, that man, you're preaching like a Baptist because you're saying these things, and I laughed, I said, no, man, but it also kind of struck me because as a Pentecostal, if I'm saying the Holy Ghost resides in me and Jesus said the Holy Ghost would approve the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, then why on earth was that just, why was that something that she only associated with Baptists? Hey, Pentecostal people, we have got to preach the word, preach the cross, preach the death, burial, resurrection, preach repentance, but preach sin God tells us to do that. Now, that shouldn't be our only message, but that ought to be one of our messages. And as you preach sin, preach the cross and preach repentance. Preach sin, but preach the cure and the remedy for sin. Anyway, let me get back to my question. Um, Is it wrong just because it makes people mad? No. Biblically, that is not wrong. Biblically, just because someone gets mad... um, that that's not a reason to be like, oh, I'm doing this wrong. No, that shouldn't be our intent to make someone mad. But anytime someone looks at you and says, you're wrong, um, no one's like, ooh, man, that felt great. Tell me that again. No. No one likes to be told they're wrong. Um, but sometimes it's right. It's true. I mean, it would be great <clears throat> if when a police officer pulled you over and said, sir, you were speeding, you're like, wait, that hurt my feelings. I don't like that. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you a ticket, because that might make you more upset. (laughs) That'd be great. I'd always say, oh, you hurt my feelings if that worked, but it doesn't. Um, Right is right. We We should have a proper attitude. And we should show love and compassion. But love and compassion does not mean we do not preach sin. Anyway, let me move on, because this episode may be going long. We'll see how, um, anyway, so we began to talk to them as we were talking about it. We, um, I dealt with a fact, you know, as I said, went to scripture with them. And their response was, well, that's all true. And that all is, that is all, all of that is in the Bible. I'll talk good English here in a second. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, that's right. That's all in the Bible. But you're making them mad. You need to stop. And I said, well, sir, I appreciate what you're doing, and I understand this is not the only way to do it. I, said, I readily admit that. I understand that there are other ways to preach the gospel besides standing on a college campus and preaching. I said, this is how God told me to do it, and this is how I'm doing it, you know, at this moment, right now. I said, but you know, I appreciate your work with the young people. I said, we need people to do that. I said, but this is how God told me to do it. The scripture says I'm what I'm doing is perfectly fine. Christian history says what I'm doing is perfectly fine. Um, I said, I'm going to keep doing what God told me to do. I said, now, if they get mad, I said, it's not my goal. I said, but if they get mad because I mentioned their sin, I can't help that. Uh, I said, I'm preaching repentance, and I'm preaching forgiveness of sin also. As they... Ended up leaving. They disagreed. They stood off to the side and listened for, I guess, until I left, really. <clears throat> um, however, as I said, that's never our goal to make people mad. But there are going to be people that, if you say, hey, I'm preaching on the street, well, why would you do that? That's so mean. Why? Why is it mean to tell someone? Jesus will save you I was called I said, at one point people said you're a hater and I said, now that's really not a fair statement I said why is it that I haven't cussed anybody I haven't flipped anybody off I haven't called anybody any names I haven't been rude to one person by their own admission I hadn't been rude and how I dealt with them I said but I'm called a hater when y'all have done nothing but cuss me flip me off call me names say all sorts of perverse things. I said, but I'm the hater. They didn't respond. They just like, oh, and hollered. Anyway, <laughs> um, another thing that I would point out that happened there is something that is, I feel like, a really good thing. Because they'll ask you, as I said, whenever, Now I know we've dealt with this before, but it is something that I wish more people would understand with Christianity and when you're defending the faith and when you're dealing with people. Um, a lot of times their question is not... Uh, really based on a objection an objection that they have it's just they're trying for anything to get to where they can justify themselves uh case in point i've been preaching on the last day i was there the third day i'd been preaching there it had rained one day and then the first day we weren't able to be there so we only had three days um i was preaching and some young men started telling me, you know, oh, that, that this, that what I was saying, was not true. So I asked them, "Would well, y'all believe in truth, absolute truth, truth that's always has always been true and always will be true, true for all people in all times and all places?" <clears throat> and to which they quickly responded, "No, they didn't believe in that." I said, "So you don't think um, truth, absolute truth, exists?" "No." "No, we don't." I said, is it absolutely true that absolute truth does not exist? Yes. I said, well, you just contradicted yourself. Um, and generally, some people chuckle because they're like, oh, yeah, they did just contradict themselves. Well, I kept preaching, and uh, a few minutes later, there were some people that showed up that became very vile. I mean, they were they were being very vile. We'll just say with that with their comments. And so I looked at them and they were cursing about God and about the Bible. And I said, hang on. I said, are you saying the Bible isn't true? And the whole crowd hollers back to me, yes. (laughs) And I said, now, wait a minute. Some of y'all, you can't answer that question because you already said you don't believe in truth. So you don't answer. Let me ask the question again. (laughs) And, of course, those people laughed because they are like, oh, yeah, that's right. I try and insert as much humor as I can, not because I want to be silly, but because I do want to de-escalate the situation as much as I can. Because, like I said, it's not my goal for people to be mad. It's not my goal whatsoever. So I'll make fun of myself at times. You know, be like, hey, I'm funny-looking. I'll say I'm funny-looking. I'll, you know, say different things. Or someone will say, did you make your sign? And they're getting ready to talk about how horrible it looks. Really, it don't look bad. But I'm like, yes, I did. Didn't I do a terrible job? And they'll take them off. they're like, wait a minute. I was going to say that. I try and do things to de-escalate. That just... Anyway, I guess my nature and really the way Christians should be, we should not try to make things worse. We should preach sin, but we should show compassion. Um, Anyway, one person during all of this exchange, they said, what you're doing is wrong. They said, "You know, if you wanted to reach people, then you should come out here with a different message. You're scaring people. No one's gonna wanna stop and talk to you now. Mind you, she was saying this when there was a large crowd of almost a hundred people, if not more, by this point, that were stopping to talk to me. Uh, so I looked at the young lady who had been there the whole time and I said, Ma'am, hang on just said, y'all hang on just a second. I said, Ma'am, are you afraid of me? I said, Have I, <laughs> have you been afraid of what I'm doing out here? And she laughed and she said, Well, I'll admit, at first I didn't know if we weren't gonna end up coming to fisticuffs if I wasn't gonna be punching you. <laughs> And I laughed. That's I why well, I sure am glad you didn't. She was a short girl, uh, a short, you know, small person. I said, "No, I said no." I said, "I'm I'm glad you weren't." I said, "Cause I sure would have looked funny, me being a big old tall guy running away from a little girl." And I said, "That looked real funny, but I couldn't have done anything back to you." I said, "I sure wouldn't have ever hit a girl." and She laughed, um, and she said, "You know, no, she wasn't afraid." You know, we had having a conversation. She disagreed with me, um, but. You know, that was fine. Anyway, so let me get back, trying to get back on topic here as to the response of the people and how that affects our message. If we simply preach in a way that we think is going to make people happy, if that is what the world says, this is what you've got to do to win people, and that's what you get. Well, you should do something different so you can win people. That brings me to my... Major and repetitive response to that question that really I give to most everyone. It is, and sometimes it confuses people a little bit, and sometimes it really confuses Christians whenever I mention this from the pulpit. But I'm not out there to save anybody's soul. I mean, let that sink in for just a second. What do you mean? You're not out there to see people saved? I want to see people saved. But primarily, my job is to preach the gospel. I'm out there not because I'm trying to save someone. I can't. The Bible says only God can forgive sin. Only God can save a person. Um, I'm out there to preach the gospel in hopes that God, by the Holy Ghost, will convict a person. The Bible says, except the Father draws, Jesus said no man could come to him. Now, that's not me taking a a Calvinistic stance of predestination, election, limited atonement. No, not at all. Please don't hear me say that. Jesus Christ died for everyone. And I believe he's willing to save anyone and all that come unto him by faith, as the Bible says. But at the same time, my job is to preach the gospel, to preach the message of Christ and let God take care of the rest. The Bible says one man plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. My job is not to go out and to be like, okay, I'm going to save this many people today. That's not my job. And if I went out there with a goal of saying, um, you know, I'm going to do this and this, you would get really discouraged. I'm not saying you'll never see people save. Please, I mean, we've given out as of now, I believe as of today, our count is 300 and, uh let me think, 316, I believe it is, 316 Bibles that we've given out so far. People come and ask for. I can't say they've all got saved, but I can say they've got Bibles and the Gospel track and the Bibles of Mark and John. I'm thankful for that. Anyway, I'm thankful for that. Then we can say, you know what, God has been using us. But... Um, My goal is to bring glory to Christ. My goal is to bring glory to God by preaching his gospel, sharing his word, and allowing him to work in the lives of young people. That's got to be our goal, not just young people, but in whichever person we're dealing with. Our goal is to bring glory to Christ. The end of Christianity, when I say the end, I don't mean when it all stops. I mean like the goal, the um, glorious goal of Christianity is to bring glory to God. The Bible says, whatever you do, in word or in deed, whether you're eating, whatever you're doing, do all for the glory of Christ, do all for the glory of God. Um, That is the end goal of the Christian, to bring glory to God. And it brings God glory to preach his gospel to a lost world. Um, And so that's always my response is, well, I'm doing this to bring glory to God. One man asked me while I was there, do you see yourself as a savior figure because you're preaching the gospel, trying to save us. And that's when I gave my response, no, I'm out here to bring glory to God. I'm out here to preach the gospel and let God do the rest. Um, I had one young lady, because my go-to response as a preacher, especially on the college campus, when they say, why do you believe this is wrong, is God said so, the Bible says so. And that's really my go-to answer for anything when they ask me is, why this, why that? Well, the Bible says, and then I go with my answer of scripture. And one young lady, she got tired of this after a while. And she was out there every day. Um, She was out there continually. In fact, she uh, tried to argue that the Bible was written by, was wrote by white men that were trying to control people. And I told her, well, I said, that's not the case. I said, you know, you need to go look at the Ethiopian Bible. It's the same as ours. Um, I said, it might have a few different words in the way they translate it. But it's the same Bible that we use said, so, and that's definitely not, um, I so said, if you want to use that, I said, but really, if you go back and you want to go back further, I said, the Bible was written by Jewish Middle Eastern people. I said, that's not a, was not written by white men. What said, well, it was translated all wrong. I said, well, ma'am, that's really not true. I said, the Bible says that God would preserve his word and you can go yourself. And I've recommended the Bible apps that I talked about earlier, blue letter Bible, um, a strong concordance, um, e sword my sword i said you can go back and you can look at all the greek words that are used you can see how they're translated that there was not mistranslated and whenever i mentioned the ethiopian bible the church you know the ethiopic uh translation that there by the bible they use she said don't mention them to me i don't care about that um and really that was her her, her whole question summed up right there she didn't care about what I answered, she was trying to shame me into being quiet, um, and you just you can't allow that. <clears throat> you have to stand on scripture. Anyway, later we were talking. Is the last day I was there, and she looked at me and she said, "Do you have any opinions or beliefs that aren't in that that aren't based on that book?" And I chuckled. I was like, "Well, when you say beliefs, no." I said, "All my beliefs are to be." I said, "This this book, this Bible." I said, this is the final authority for the Christian. And no, this, this this is where we base everything. I said, so nah, this is where all of it comes from. And she said, You don't have any opinions that aren't in that book. And I said, Well, can you give me an example? I said, because I mean, I guess my favorite color is red, and that ain't in the Bible anywhere. And I wasn't trying to be rude or facetious. Really, I wasn't. I was trying to answer her question. She rolled her eyes. <laughs> Whenever I said that my favorite color was red. Anyway, um, we have, uh, I need to get back on topic. Um, we can't change our message just because people do not like the message. If we base our beliefs on anything other than the Word of God, even our beliefs on preaching, and we say, well, how, what's going to make people like me more? We're going to forsake Christ, and we're not going to preach his gospel because the Bible says it's foolishness to those who perish. But we are called to stand and preach. If we make people mad, we should check ourselves. Am I making people mad, or is what the Bible says making people mad? If what the Bible says makes people mad, that's on them. If I am doing things and making people mad then I should check myself and my motives. Um, It's never my goal to make anyone mad, but it is always my goal to be true to scripture. That is what we are called to do. We are called to preach the gospel, to take a stand for Christ, and we've got to do it. Christian, you can look around, and whether or not you agree with me on eschatology and how the end times play out, that's fine. We're not guaranteed our next breath. There are souls that are on their way to hell. We need to warn them. But more than that, Jesus Christ died for the souls of humanity to pay the price for our sins. He was buried, He rose again on the third day. And He deserves the reward of His suffering. He deserves their worship, He deserves their praise. He is God and he died for them. And it is our great pleasure and privilege to be able to work with him and spread the gospel. And that's what we're to do. The Bible says we are to be ambassadors for Christ. That we are to beseech people in his stead to be reconciled to God. And, And that does not always make people happy. But my final judge is not the people I'm preaching to. My final judge is not other Christians that say you're doing this wrong. My final judge is Jesus Christ. He is our example. He is our guide. He's our God, our Savior, our Sanctifier, our Baptizer in the Holy Ghost, our Healer. He is our all. But He will be our judge. Um... Let's stick true to what the Scripture says. Let's hold as close to it as we as we can. As I've talked about with apologetics, um, my go-to apologetic is "God said so." Well, I don't believe in the Bible. Will you believe in God? You know that God exists. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. And you're generally going to find people don't deny it too many times. Um, they may say, "No, no, I don't," but generally, they once you keep once you say that to them a couple of times. They're gonna turn their head <clears throat> and they'll either curse you or they'll acknowledge it or they'll walk away. Why? Because they know it's true. They know that it's true. Generally, whenever the crowd is getting so riled up and so angry, um, and if I'm not the one who's causing it, you know, if I'm just preaching the Bible and they get mad, rather than say, man, look at this, how horrible a response. Please don't take this the wrong way. hear what I'm going to say before you judge what I'm going to say. But I like it. Not that I like that they're mad, but I like that there's a response. Why? Because you look in the Bible when God began to convict people. It talks about they were cut to their heart. And a lot of times, what did they do? They picked up stones and they stoned Paul. They picked up stones to kill Jesus. They gnashed on um, Stephen with their teeth. They drug him out and threw him out and stoned him. Um... What what's going on when they're getting so upset simply because of what the Bible says? That's the devil being riled up and them being convicted. That is God convicting them. Um, if you're a Christian, think back to whenever you first heard what you were doing was wrong. One of those responses is, no, I'm not. The Bible says that every man is right in his own eyes that we seek to justify ourself. Um, which is what I told those you know, those men whenever they were saying, you're doing this wrong. And I said, no, that's God convicting them. That is the Holy Ghost revealing sin, because all I was doing was quoting Scripture, preaching what the Bible says. Um, I said, that's that's the Holy Ghost convicting them and them responding just as they did in the Bible and just as we see it today when men respond in anger to the convicting power of God. Um, whenever a person feels the conviction of God, they have a couple of choices. They can repent. They can get mad. Or they can just bottle it up and walk away. Now, two of those are wrong. One of those is right. Men, should be called, men and women need to be called to repentance. That is our job, Christian. Let's be faithful to it. Um, now, I do want to say... Uh, we, I, can, I want to say we gave out about 40 Bibles while we were there at University of South Alabama. I want to say I'm thankful. There were two people that I want to mention in But as I'm finishing out the program. Um, first, there was one young man who he stood there and listened for a while and then he came over and kind of talked a little bit, well he stood where he had been in kind town of talked a little bit and said, you know, he's, he's not doing anything wrong, he claimed to be a Christian. And I say claim to be a Christian, I don't know anything about the man. He called himself a brother in Christ. I accept it. You know, that, I have no reason to think otherwise. Um, you know, he's, not, he's preaching the cross, he's preaching repentance, he's not doing anything wrong. He had kind of a quick conversation with a couple of people off to the side. Um, but there was another young man that really impressed me. And his name was Mason. Uh, he was not a big guy. Um, But he was a brave man. He was very brave. Uh, The only person I've ever seen do this, I was preaching and the crowd was, they were going. I mean, they were not, as I've already said, they were not real happy with me. Um, They were a boisterous crowd. They were cursing. They were spitting. They were hollering. They spit at my feet. I mean, they were doing all sorts of stuff. Anyway, it's common. But um, anyway, they uh, no less than they treated. In fact, they well, they treated me a lot better than they treated Jesus. They spit on spit on Jesus and they killed him. They just spit at my feet, maybe on my feet, but on my shoes. But they didn't ever punch me or kill me, so I was glad for that. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to add either of those <laughs> things to my experience. Getting punched yet? At one point, there were a few guys. Let's just beat and then a word uh, beat his blankie. And a word that I won't use. And I was really glad when no one went along with that one guy. I was like, I'm really glad no one went along with you, because um, I didn't want to add that to my experience. Goodness, sorry. Pardon my voice there. <clears throat> anyway, this young man he stood there for a while and he listened. Uh listened to what I was saying for about ten, fifteen minutes maybe. He saw how the crowd was acting. And he waded through the crowd. I mean, he pushed his way through, walked and got right beside me. And he started preaching right along with me. Um, very polite, very polite young man. But he didn't pull any punches. He preached what the Bible said. He defended the scripture. He based things on scripture. I was impressed. Uh, no, it don't matter that I was impressed. I just mean I was impressed in that he bravely walked through a crowd of over a 100 people to stand up for Christ. I was like, wow, (laughs) wow. I mean, it's one thing to start preaching before before everyone's there and before they're mad, but to push your way through the crowd and turn and be like, hey, this guy's right, and I'm gonna preach the gospel to you also, that took a lot of guts, and that took a lot of courage. Um, He preached for a while, then he left, and after I was finishing up and getting ready to leave, he saw me and came over to where I was, and I thanked him. I said, man, I, said, I want to tell you, thank you for standing up with me. I said, I really appreciated the help. Um, that was really brave, and we talked for a little bit. He said, I'd heard about what you were doing. He said, and I'd heard people say, they were saying that you were saying all sorts of hateful things, and you were being mean. He said, and they were talking bad about you. He said, but I wanted to come in here." He said, so I listened for a while. He said, I stood and listened. He said, whenever I saw that wasn't true, he said, I wanted to, uh, you know, preach with you. So he came up and, you know, he ended up, he preached. As I said, he preached right there. He said, but what they were saying was not true. One other person I will mention that I'm going to have to <clears throat> close it up for today. This young man, that last day that I got there, he came, he saw me in the parking lot, walked over to my car. He said, hey, he said, I just got a few minutes. He said, I talked to you the other day. He said, but I had a couple questions where, he said, right now it's not so crowded, <clears throat> And he began to ask me why I was doing what I was doing. And I told him, well, the Bible tells me to, as a Christian, I care about your soul. I care about the people that are here. Um, I said, I do it because I care about people. And God wants to save people. And it's my job to preach the gospel. And we talked for a while. Um, really good conversation. We talked about 10 or 15 minutes. And um, really good conversation. Very respectful young man. He had some honest questions. It was great Man, I loved it. Um, I love dealing one-on-one with young people, with anyone. And I remember, like as I said, some, I've dealt with staff before. I've dealt with some of the professors before. I've dealt with some adults. I don't even know if they went to college or not. You know, They were just there. I don't know. But um, I love that, sharing the gospel and answering questions. We We've got to have, be ready. The Bible says to be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh us, ask us, ask us a reason for the hope that lies within us. And sometimes that can be a little overwhelming. But Christian, just know your Bible. Base what you're saying on Scripture. Um, God is good. God is so good. We've got a message to share. Um, now in conclusion, a lot of all that we have seen today Let's go out and do as Jesus told his disciples in Luke 10 and 2. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's wake up and go out to win a lost world for our Savior and God, Jesus Christ. Let's do our best to live a life that brings glory to God. Um, Lord bless you. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, um, uh, comments, advice on, you know, maybe something you think, hey, this would be maybe a good improvement to the podcast or whatever. Or if you're just like, hey, would you deal with this question of apologetics? Um, let me know. Shoot me a message. Um, leave comments on the Facebook page. Uh, leave comments on Anchor, on Spotify, on any of those. And let me know what your thoughts are. Y'all have a good day. Lord bless.